0: Welcome to the Bear and the Bull. I am your host, Nick Webster, part of the Cal South Board of Directors and always with my finger on the pulse of what is going on in youth and adult soccer in Southern California. Today, I'm going to welcome someone who has been part of this beautiful game for more years than he would care to remember. And I have known him for a very long time. I'm delighted to introduce Billy McNichol. How are you, Nick? Very well, Billy. So some people may not have heard of you, which to me would be quite incredible, but you have played and coached at so many different levels uh, throughout your career. Tell us where it all began. Uh,
1: Well, I grew up in uh, the west of Scotland in in a small town called Dunoon, which is not Too far from Glasgow, maybe thirty miles, but it's 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 a long ways away. In that, you've got to take a a train and then a ferry uh, to get to it, and it's across the north. It's on the north bank of the River Clyde, so it's technically in the Highlands. But 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 Glasgow's where the where the action is in in Scotland for the football. But I I grew up in that little little town of maybe eight thousand, and uh, you know the usual story no traffic lights no no, no money in post-war britain so y'all uh, played football all the kids in the housing scheme played football and and the, the lucky ones were, were were taken across the water literally taken across the the clyde to go to uh, one of the bigger clubs if you're if you're so lucky
0: and one of the bigger clubs was rangers uh very and- very
1: fortunate Listen, i'm a, i'm a rangers guy I, a rangers Born in like in that part of the world, like you know, it's it's you're one or the other, and you're born yep. into it. You you don't have a choice in the matter. You know, you're either a Rangers guy or a Celtic guy. I was a Rangers guy, and it's funny as I, as I as I went across the water to the what you'd call the, the the travel club type teams, because in our in our little town there was barely enough to have a team. Uh, let alone a league, so you had to go across the water. Uh, so, and I'm talking now, 14, 15 years old, uh, and I could, uh, you know, I was gaining a reputation, I was getting a name for scoring goals and, and helping teams win and, and all that stuff. But the scouts would come along, and, and and they all came up there. Aston Villa was there, Liverpool was there, Man United. Oh, oh, but but Rangers would never come because. They, and when I spoke to the to them, when I finally did sign with them they said well we, we knew we were going to get you anyway we knew you wouldn't go to any of these other and that was that was true and, and that's on me that's that's my bad I, I often think well, I wonder what would have happened if I had gone south because I had an older cousin I have an older cousin who played at uh, man United for eight years Stuart Houston you know and, and 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 it's different down south but if, if you grew up in my street in that part of Scotland um if you just if you did even the outside chance to play for Rangers, you waited for that chance because that's that that carries you on to this day. When I go back to my retail and walk in the pub, you know, the, 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 your pint's waiting on you as you get in the door because you you wore the blue, you know. So
0: it's well,
1: uh, Billy,
0: to, to, talk to me a little bit about the youth system at Rangers. Then what was what was the training like? What was the mentorship like? Because I, I think. Um, Many people in America don't understand just how cutthroat and cold-blooded the system is back uh, back in, in in the UK. Yeah,
1: you know it, it, the The saying over there is if you're uh, if you're good enough, you're old enough. You know what I mean. So so you don't get babied, and at, at literally at sixteen, you you're going up against the first team players. It was back in that day, you know. And before we get too far too deep into this, like I was at Rangers, I wasn't I wasn't a star at Rangers. The Rangers were a good team at that time. They won the uh, it's now called the Europa Cup. It was called the Cup Winners' Cup at that time. They were constantly getting in the the, the Scottish Cup finals, the League Cup finals. Shortly after they won the treble, they won the league, and and, and so on and so forth. They were a good team. And maybe three or four of them, or more, played on the Scottish team as well. So, so it was it was packed with stars. It was a great place to serve an apprenticeship and and watch and learn. But if you if you ask me, uh, was it the most successful team I was ever with? Personally, not not really, because I was always on the fringe. Uh, and, and the joke what I like to make is, you know, I, I I couldn't get in the team, but I made sure I get in the photo. <laughs> and the and the the one where we get the uh, we won the league in 70, 74, I think it was for some reason the cameraman stopped at me and took the photo with us holding the cup so I'm in the poster for that year so so be it but 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 you you won't you'll be hard pressed to find any highlight films of me with that team but but the, the actual team was great it was it was no quarter asked or given we, we had a legendary coach at that time called Jock Wallace and and he literally was a an ex-commando, and he used to take us to, to the sand dunes of Gulland, and they laugh about it to this day. I was reading some of the the podcast-type stuff from uh, Glasgow after the, the, the bad performances uh, recently in Europe for Rangers. And they are saying, get these players back to the sand dunes. Make them tough, toughen them up. You know, they, they, they can all play. All players can play. You, you don't get in the door if you don't have a, a certain amount of skill set. But if you don't have the heart and the drive and the passion and the courage... You know, it's, it's not a it's not a game for the faint of heart.
0: Well, if you, if you were going to break down uh, the game in percentages back back then, how much time would you spend on technical stuff, tactical stuff, physical, and then of course the mental side of the game that we probably didn't look at at all back then?
1: Yeah, well, the the, the, the physical was a lot. We we ran a lot. And certainly at Rangers, we were uh we were the fittest team and the, and the gaffer told us that. He said, Listen, come January and February. When and you remember the pitches back then? They were they were awful. They were absolutely awful, mate. <laughs> I mean yes. they, 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 <laughs> that middle strip up the park was nothing but mud. And and we're talking about one of the biggest clubs in Europe, and ours was a, a midden as well. You couldn't play football on it per se, but you could, you know, you could chase it and battle and fight. Um what's the percentages? when you were a youngster, when you were an apprentice, you spent a lot of time on the technical stuff, but, but it, wasn't, um, it wasn't that stuff they do now where it's a spin turn and a step over and all that. It was, it was one or two touches, get it, get it down, knock it around and, and move to the next part of the field. Um, and and you, you learned what I think is sadly missing now, and that is the efficiency of skill. I, I'm surrounded by boys here at the college who are far more skillful than, than I probably was, but, but, but they don't pass the ball at the right time. They, you know, they, by the time they're done messing around with the ball, the, the instance to pass it is gone. And, and and you try to talk to them like that and they say, well, yeah, but look, I can do a rainbow. Yeah, I'm sure, sure you can. I think you're chasing rainbows, kid. That's just what you're doing. You're not doing a rainbow. So, so it was a. It's, listen, it's, the old uh, adage is true. It's a simple game made complicated by wannabe players. You just got to get it shifted onto the next guy who can do more for for the team than you can. And 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 if you don't know what to do with it, kick it in the net. That's what I always say.
0: <laughs> so after Rangers. Um... San Antonio Thunder of the old NASL. You know, things.
1: yeah. I, and listen, it was raining. I got on very well this Jock Wallace character, and he said, uh, hey, listen, what you needs a a, a summer in the sun, <laughs> not a lot of sun in in the west of Scotland uh, oh, in those days." Can, like, and, bit, hey. because I actually had another team in Scotland wanting me, um, Hamilton Ackeys, Uh and he said, "Why don't you go over to America and check it out?" And and I'll be honest with you, I wasn't. A, A great pro at that time, I was. I was. I took it as a vacation because I had the contract signed to go back to Hamel. So, so again, you'll be. You'll have a hard time reading statistics on San Antonio, except uh, I learned. I, I learned what America is, as opposed to what I thought it was. From watching Starsky and Hutch or something like that, you know that that, that was my image of America was Burt Reynolds in a, a bow and arrow or something. You know that's and it, and America is so much better than what I thought it was. Um, anyway, long story short, I came back to to uh, uh, Glasgow, signed with Hamilton, and sure enough, the goals are going end regular. I loved it because because that's all you know all you know is oh, he's, he's a he's a he's a top player and, and a team that's striving to get into the premier League things could happen um uh, I was married at that time uh married in Scotland to an American girl but the uh she did not uh have a she didn't enjoy she didn't enjoy hamilton and and, and I understood that because I didn't enjoy it either. <laughs> The soccer, yes, but but I didn't enjoy Hamilton. So I thought, well, what do you now do? What what do you now do when your missus is saying, Scotland's not for me? And I'm saying, well, Hamilton's not for me because, you know, outside of the big three or four teams in Scotland, it's it's just a job. And it's a graft. It's, it's, It's not fun. So I said, well, I'm going back to take another crack at, at, at the States. I think I'm I think I'm think better suited this time. I've got a wife uh, uh, this time. I thought, I'm going to give it a go. Came back. Uh, Ron Yates, there's a name from the past. Ron Yates, the Ron Yates was in charge of a team, not in charge. He was the coach of a team in Santa Barbara. And I was Yeatsy's type of forward, you know, he, he liked me a lot. So we we, we had a, a team for a very short time in Santa Barbara. That helped me get back into the country is what it did. Played there. Sadly, that team went by the wayside, as 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 went a lot of teams in those days. Nick, remember, soccer was struggling in this country, struggling hard. Um, I then went on to a team called the Skyhawks up in the valley, uh, San Fernando Valley. They played at Pierce College. And, and and that was a good team. That was the best of that of that league. It was the league below the the NASL, and it gave a, a lot of us a chance to, again, grow into this new country that, that some of us, my, myself, and most importantly, wanted to call home. I, I could see myself. Doing things in America, even outside of soccer. Although I've never had to do anything outside of soccer, but I thought to myself, you know, that, that that's probably better opportunities here for me and my and my kids as as they were going to come on later on. So so we, we gave that a go. Had a couple of good years with the Skyhawks, and then I was. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, probably. I'll share this story. You'll love this one. I played against a. a a little left back, so, uh, what was his name, Alec Pringle was his name, It's from Dundee, and we played them uh, with the Skyhawks and I was giving them a roasting, I, I was tormenting them, and he said to me, as as as, as the want of the players, he says, hey, if you'll, if you'll ease up a bit, I think I'd scored two in the first half, <laughs> if you'll ease up the second half, I've got a job, I've got a team for you, I'm going to be the head coach in Pittsburgh. I said, what are you talking about? He that there's an indoor soccer league. You know, in the West Coast, it hadn't hit the West Coast yet. I said, what do you mean an indoor soccer league? He says they play five or six of sides on the artificial turf in a hockey rink. I says, oh, you're joking. I said, that can't be a game. He said, no, it started the year before, but I knew very little about it. And I thought, give us a look at that. And I thought, you know what? That's 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 got to be the deal. The outdoor leagues were, were literally falling apart. NESL and the ESL, they they were on their last legs. This new league uh, was throwing a bunch of money at you. He was going to bring in a couple of uh, ex-teammates from Rangers, uh, Graham Fife and Alfie Conn. I said, oh, I'll I'll have a piece of that. Clive Charles was on that team, uh, the former uh, under-20 coach and and Portland lad. Uh, We had... um, Adrian Webster, Stevie Buddle from Norwich. It, it, was, it was a great. I said, "Oh, this is tailor made." The season went from October to April. Right? I said, "Oh, I, this is this is as good as it gets," <laughs> because somebody like me could fit into the indoor game. You know, the big centre halves, no chance. <laughs> you know, the the, the Peter Crouches of the world, no chance in that late, that game. But you know, if you if you were quick, if you could, if you didn't mind taking a bump or two, and you could and you could find the net. Indoor soccer was it was a fun game. It was like a uh, it's like rock and roll is to music as opposed to classical music for the outdoor game. It's just bang, 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 bang. Scores were, you know, 13 to 10. <laughs> Defenses on top, that type of game. Um, but, but we loved that. And, and probably what that did more than anything, when you come back to, and in those days of, we were living in Utah at the time, my wife and I had a, a place in Utah, you come back and you say, well, what do you do with the summer? Your summers were off. Well, what do you doing? in summer's think like you do summer soccer camps, and you get a sense of managing kids, coaching kids, and then you could share with those kids what you got overseas. N- not what was the the, the the American soccer camp, but say, hey, you, you really want to learn soccer? Here's what you do. We got a bunch of us, and we play every day. And I'm I'm still young, and fit, relatively young, into it, late twenties, and you play with them, and you and you nutmeg them, and you do the stuff like all old, old, the old ex-pros did with me. And I thought, yeah, this, this is fun. It's this, this the way you learn as well. It's not just putting down cons and shouting out cliches. It's it's learn by doing. And uh, and that gave me a foothold way before all, all my uh, teammates and stuff into the coaching.
0: Um, so you became the director of coaching for the Utah Youth Soccer Association. Only now, because,
1: only because they, they, they were quite... Um, they, don't, they They had the foresight to see see what was happening, and three states hired full time coaches: um, Jimmy Conway at Portland in Oregon, sorry, Bobby Howe in Seattle, and me in Utah. We were the first three full time coaches, and full time is is actually. Uh, I'm dressing it up a bit here, Nick. You know, it was it was uh, it was beans and toast type of money. It wasn't like, but but it, that's all you had to do. You had one job, ignite the soccer in Utah, and and so for years, I think I lasted eight years. I was uh, I would go to the elementary schools and literally do the pie Piper thing, juggle the ball in the playground, you know, challenge the kids to who who can chip it into the basketball net first or stuff like that. Signed up, and before long, uh, uh, this is one of my proudest accomplishments. Utah was the number one, may still be the number one in uh, participation per capita in the country. And I'll definitely put my hand up and say, yeah, I'm a big part of that because I know I was away from home every every day saying I've got to get – because to me it was all about getting as many people playing as possible, regardless of the ability. The ability will come from from playing against each other and then – And then the kids saying how far do they want to go as opposed to some ego-driven coach who's saying I'm all about this and I'm all about that, you know. So, so So that got me in the door. That got me in the door. Nick, I took my licenses early. Took my licenses early. Um, Probably because in the indoor game, my last move, uh, if I can call it that, was uh, I was sold to uh, San Jose. And I went out there, and that, that's where I wrapped it up. It, it ended uglier than I wanted it to be. There was a little disagreement between myself uh, and the management and my agent, and they they, they basically held my rights. And, and I said, well, I'll just go into coaching earlier then. Rather than wait until late 30s, I get into early 30s. And, again, I, I think I think I might have been at that time, like, the youngest A license in the country.
0: Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, you you, you you have a love of love of playing. When did the love of coaching start happening? You know, what what was what do you think was the, was the catalyst? And did you have any mentors to help you along the way or were you kind of like self-taught?
1: A lot self-taught, but, but like every one of us brings a little bit of the guys that, that helped us along the way. I can still hear me saying phrases that were shouted to me. At Rangers at 16 years old you know but probably the best piece of advice I've ever get, been given and I pass it on to every kid I ever see pass the ball when you can not when you have to that was a, it, 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 I, I can't it was like a revelation because because people take too long to share the ball you know um so so you learn by doing of course and it's funny because I get into coaching like I say earlier I'm still playing um I came back in the spring, and, and I went down to see the local high school. I think the, I think the wife kicked me out of the house that day. <laughs> she says, away, wait, wait, find something to do. Down, I goes to the local high school. I says, listen, uh, I would lived just up the road. We'd like some help. And the guy was great. I'll never forget His name was Kevin Rigby. He says to me, I'd love help. He says, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> he said, I don't do." i I took this position, so I'm less likely to get fired. He was the history teacher. He was a history teacher. So I said, I said, really? He said, Yeah, you run, you do it all, run it all. So I got into this high school. And here I am trying to be Pep Wiley Ola, or whoever it was back then, giving it all this, that, and the next thing. And it's amazing what you can do at the high school level. I'm a huge fan of, of high school sports because you get them every day. You get them every day. And I remember going in to the principal, it was a lady principal, I forget her name at this point, but we went in and I said, listen, okay, we play our games on the uh, the football field, American football field. Now, in, in Utah, uh, boys high school soccer is played in the spring, so there was no real conflict with it, but the football coach furious at me. Mad, this is his field. And she, this was her way of getting back in, she said, go on, put him on there. Nick, by the end of the, the, the end of my run there, uh We'd won five championships in six years. We won four on the bounce. And the last crowd, and I'm not, I'm not making up, but it was probably 10,000 people would come to. It. I would make it a Friday night lights thing because we had on the stadium and we had floodlights. And people would come from all over. At the end, of coming to watch us lose, hopefully watch us lose, but we didn't. We were on this roll. And we are on this roll because four or five years earlier, I'd had this group of kids in my neighbourhood that I would go out and... Well, I was still fit and playing. I would go out and play with them. So they were—they were way ahead of the rest of the kids that had coaches with clipboards shouting at them. I'm just putting the kids out there, saying, "Go ahead, you'll beat these guys, no bother." Well, one of the great things about coaching, Nick, as you know, is if, if you win things, people people take notice, and people start to give you money for doing the very thing you would have done for nothing anyway. I said, "Oh, well, really? I'm going to get paid?" Yeah, I'll move on. So you move on to the next level, and the next level, and, and then the next level there was the director of coaching uh, for Utah and that quickly uh, moved me up into the ranks of what they call the the regional staff or the ODPs and all that sort of stuff and, and I worked my way in there and, and same thing you, you get the rights to select a team and, and that team ultimately gets tested at some point well if your team does well oh this guy must know what he's talking about up you go up you go up you go and, 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 and all of that was a lot of fun I would miss A little bit of those early days of the ODP where it was picked primarily on um, getting a team right and going playing other teams and and kind of um, showing that the best survive. I I remember the early days with Marcelo Baboa playing for the Cal South team and everybody saying, wow, that kid's got what it takes. That kid's going to the top. Winalda was in those teams as well you know th- th- those are great too I'm watching with a, with this little bunch of Utah kids couldn't couldn't get match the uniforms for hell's sake you know we just <laughs> we, we show up there and take it on the chin and then I said I'll get them I'll get them and then a couple of years later we played in a tournament in Wyoming and Cal North brought up its teams oh
0: sorry about that that's alright
1: um, that, that was my other gaffer Still, I, I, still, I still work for people, Nick. Uh, and we played Cal oh, and no, oh, we gave him a spank and gave him a right doing. With that same, that same group of kids, it was my, my little club team that had gone into the high school. Uh, maybe eight or nine of them all played uh, on the, the state team. And in fact that the three of them went on, the goalkeeper, the centre mid and the centre forward, key positions, played for the Region 4 team. All, all from the one neighbourhood block in Utah. But it's the things that you i don't even think you can get away with that right now you know what i mean you just it's kids are traveling five hours to practice for hell's sake i'm, I'm i had kids five minutes we walked we walked to the field and practiced so so, so doing those type of things again give you great satisfaction but more importantly maybe they, they, they bump you up the ladder of professionalism and somebody else wants to hire you and you move on you move on you move on
0: so, so in, in the that space. was the
1: early days, and 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 one of the best things, maybe Nick in Utah, there was there was no other ex pros there. There was nobody who who could say, well, not not listen to him. What you said was 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 the gospel. People were just saying, okay, he must know what he's talking about, and 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 I think if you're given a chance and you get it. Wrong. You have to be bold enough to say, I, "I really don't know what I'm doing here." But if you get it right, you've every you've every right then to say, "Hey, this is what works for me. You can try that or not try it. But this is what's this is the the pathway I've taken." And and uh, and it's nothing more than just good old fashioned get out there and rehearse and practice what you think you is going to occur in the game. There's no magic solution here, you know. But everyone's everyone's looking for a. You know, a system or a tactic is that no, no, no. It's all it always has been get the right players in the field at the right time and let them
0: let them make the coach look good. <laughs> with this success, the uh, national U.S. soccer comes uh, calling. What was that? What was that like in in terms of step up between going from going from a you know a state program and now all of a sudden you're working with uh, national team players. Uh, did you did you see a, a, a vast improvement in their technical and technical ability? Also, yeah,
1: was it yeah, still- uh, yeah. You know, I, I was very fortunate. You know, Steve Sampson uh, gave me the first the uh, it was under eight. What became the under eighteen team? That that team had uh, that was Bocanegra, Sharando, and uh, Nicky Romando. That group, then that was a good team. It was a good team. Um, we then gave that to Mitch Murray to take them on. I think they were, they went on to either the Olympics or the or the twenties. Steve then said to me, "Listen, you, you've obviously got an eye for the for that level player. Why don't you take the 16s? And and, and that was a lot of fun. That was uh, Landon and Demarcus, Kyle Beckerman. Uh, that group there. But what you're talking about there—that in those days it was—you'd uh, gone from from the the, the kind of rudimentary dorms of the of the Region Four uh, programs to pr- pretty classy stuff. Kids staying in hotels, training at the Olympic Center in Chula Vista. But I remember the one issue I had with with my um, how do you call how do I say this without pissing people off, with my uh, backroom staff, uh, with, with a skinny little kid called DeMarcus Beasley. And, and and they they were telling me, no, they were telling me, no, he didn't he didn't look right to them. He, he, he literally was 120 pounds soaking wet, you know. I said, I said well, he's the best player in the camp. I said, well, what do you mean I can't pick him? Well, he can't, he, he wasn't good at this test. And I said, well, tell the test he passed. <laughs> he passed my eye test. I think he is the guy we build the team around? Landon wasn't in that camp. Landon had gotten injured, but we knew all about him, and we thought, well, if you get a clever kid like Beasley and um, and pace that Landon had uh, to burn, I say that. I say what run away? There was also Nick. Uh, just a little sidebar in on that one. I think that was the first uh, national team to have uh, five black kids on the team. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. There's a kid from Southern Cal, Johnny Davis. Uh, Delaney, there was a kid called uh, Delaney from I forget with the old Nelson Aquary was on that team, uh, but they they, they formed a, the, the 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 backbone of the team. There was a center forward, the center mid, the center back, center half, the left and right half. These five black kids, and, and they were exceptional. They're absolutely exceptional. And I tell you what we did, we we to wrap up the camp. I, I called up another another uh, Brett here, Derek Armstrong. Say said, Derek. I need a game. He said, who have you got? I said, I've got the, the the 16s. And I think, remember, these boys are 13 years old at this time. <laughs> he says, uh, "He says, well, does point me to teams. I said, no, we're, we're beating all those teams. He said, well, I've, I've got a college team. <laughs> I said, I think it was UCSD at the time. I said, yeah, bring them in. He said, Billy, they're big men. I said, bring them in. I'm not kidding. <laughs> we beat them. I think we beat them 9 nothing. And it, and it wasn't that close we we, we absolutely, and i remember derek said holy shit look at this team i, I went to the i went to the usysa meeting i like, guess this is this is probably where you rub the administrators the wrong way because you don't have a kid from central wherever you know they they, they wanted fair and balanced teams i said no just give me the best players and we'll be fine and they said how do you think you'll do i said i think this team will win the world cup and, and they ended up taking third place. I think with Johnny. Johnny Ellinger took them over to New Zealand, and, and that that team took third place. A good bunch of boys. That 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 was a team. Also, core of them was in Korea for two thousand and two. Remember yeah. that World Cup? That Scottish referee denied us going forward. Man, he never called that handball against Germany. It was
0: hey, He must have, known, must, have known you were, must have been it's a Scottish Celtic fan. <laughs> hey Billy. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I mean in, incredible experiences at, at the youth and mm-hmm. in the international and professional levels so how, how did the how did the college stuff start happening for you
1: well you know I, I in 2014 uh, I, I, I tell there's a little pathos coming in here now, Nick. um I've been in the LA times front page a couple of times one was uh, with the galaxy surrounding that stuff there and one the the title in two thousand and five. The other time was in two thousand and fourteen. We had a horrible um, tragedy where the five kids were were killed in the car wreck in Orange County, and three of them were for from our club. Uh, at that time, I was running Mission Viejo Soccer Club. Three of them uh, were in the same team, uh, little junior high kids, and it, it, it literally that was uh, one of the saddest periods of my life um, dealing with that. Um. Uh, just no. I, I don't even think I'll ever fully recover from that phone call. Um, coming in, the, the, there was a horrible crash where the where the car went off the freeway and blew up, basically burned up. Um, and it was it was almost two weeks of mourning down there and having to go to the families. These these were uh, uh, lower income families, and you had to go they had nothing, and you're sitting with them, and and. Uh, uh, they could barely speak uh, English to families and trying to make sure that they had everything they needed to give their, their kids a proper send-off and, and stuff like that. That that was gut-wrenching. Like that, that did me in. No sooner had was I getting over it a, somewhat, uh, and um, Steve had, had got the job up, up here in Cal Poly, and he said, right, would you, we want to come on. I said, you know what? It's something I've never done. I think I'll do that. I said to my brother, because I've been over in America now at that time, 40-odd years, I'm a citizen since 1980. I said, listen, uh, I'm going to take on a real job. I'm going to have some boss. Up until then, I, I'd never had a real I never had a boss. I was always the head guy of, of whatever. Anyway, I uh, I said, why don't we meet in Atlantic City just to, as brothers do, and and I'll go because I won't be able to come back and forward the way that I, I, I once did. And and he he would come to america occasionally but he didn't love it so i said let's meet in atlantic city well he came off the plane and i could tell something was wrong he said yeah he said he he diagnosed with cancer so i called i called steve i love him he's he's so patient with me in so many ways i said listen um i'm going to decline the press conference it was supposed to be a press conference the following week i said i'm going to decline it i'm going to i'm going to go back to scotland with my brother i'm going to stay with him for the duration of this, thinking it was going to. I think the doctor told me six months. Well, it ended up in two and a half years. So for two and a half years, you, you, there's not a lot of stats on me, coach. And if you look at f- basically from 2015 till 2000, yeah, end of 2017. I just I had other other more important things to do, and I'm glad I did that. Uh, and that is that's not easy to sit just sit with somebody and watch them. But coming from that very small. A town in scotland uh you know i would have been unable to show my face there if i didn't do that uh so i said oh, i'm going back sitting there and, and uh and, and be with my brother during that time and then as soon as i came back no idea what i was going to get <laughs> i came back i literally had no idea what i was going to do except and let's be honest here right or wrong all this all this um movement of, of youth clubs, academies, whatever they want to call themselves, all these alphabet soup leagues and stuff that are going on. There's always something you can do. Always, you know, so, it's like, it just depends where you want to be and who you want to work with and all that sort of stuff. And then the state would have it, um, the, the assistant coach that was here had to move on for whatever reason. Steve said, would you like to give it a go? I said, you know, let me see. It came up. On my own dime, I come up for three months. I come up here and, and stayed and looked at it, checked it out, da, da 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 And by July of that year, I said, "Yeah, I'll give it a go." And that's what got me here.
0: And so now you're part of the Cal Poly, and and really the the, the collegiate program in Cal Poly in, in Southern California is based upon one of the great rivalries in, in college soccer, Cal yes. Poly the Mustangs against ucsb the gauchos yes talk to us a little bit about that because i think that you know for, for many people they look at college sports and and it's basically you know american football and basketball and they they and the general consensus is that you know college soccer doesn't really matter but with these two programs it matters more than and oh. more, more than itself <laughs>
1: Not long after I got here, and I'd heard about this and you see the photographs, you see the videos of of previous games and uh, Spanos Stadium on Cal Poly is is a very narrow stadium. Um, It's a a football stadium, basically, American football stadium. And and the fans are literally right there, right beside you there. And I'm talking upwards of 12,000 fans. I think they say that at some points they might have had fourteen thousand in there, and, and in that tight stadium, that's a that that's intense. That's intense. And I've been, I've been around a big crowds. You know, Rangers and Celtic is a big crowd, uh, and, and uh, at times uh, a scary crowd. This group of kids started throwing tortillas. <laughs> they have the tradition where they throw tortillas out of the field, not to injure anyone. I think there's a, some sort of um, I don't know. Put down associated with it somewhere. I don't know. And listen, Santa Barbara does that to us too. I, we played there uh, what, two weeks ago, and and they were throwing uh, tortillas on onto the fields at that time as well. I, I made the comment at that point. I said, "Well, if you're going to throw something that a guy like me would eat, make sure it's a pancake. You know, don't don't be throwing tortillas. Make, make a pancake for Shrove Tuesday." That, that, that humor went over too many people's heads. But the, but these games and, and the the first. The first time I was involved with it as a coach, we actually won uh, We one won the here at Spanners. And the final whistle, Nick, these kids came over the barriers. The security couldn't stop them. Even if they wanted to, you couldn't stop them. They were on the field. There was maybe 5,000 people on the grass with us at the end of the game. Now, your first instincts are to protect the players, protect yourself. These were just... Students with a with a little too much Kool Aid in their system. <laughs> they just they were just party animals. It was it was great. It was it was, it was a carnival as opposed to a, a scary situation. So it's it's great and it's good for the game. It's good for the college game, but it's good for football in general. Good for soccer in general. Yeah.
0: When you look at the growth of college soccer since you you've been involved with it, mm-hmm. where where do you see where do you see the the game going in, in terms of style, uh, professionalism, uh, and, uh, and and popularity. The the popularity
1: thing is going to be hard because it's right in the uh, the middle of the football season, too. American football season, and that that dominates campuses like everything else. If you if you have a winning team, people will come and follow you. People like to be associated with winners. So getting teams to win there, I think creating rivalries like, like we just discussed would be advantageous to it. There is there is a movement right now, I'm sure you're aware, of trying to play the a split season, play in the fall and the spring. That would that would do wonders. Not just for, for to get more exposure in a longer period of time, but just to give the players a rest. Like they're playing Wednesday, Friday. And, yes, yeah, Champions League does that too, but those those are professional players that don't have to go to class, that don't have to ride buses for seven hours and stuff like that. So, so it's not quite quite uh, the same thing there. But I will say this, the facilities that, that we had on hand there at uh, Poly, better than any USL team that, that, that I've been associated with, uh, travel, looking after them, all of that first, first class. So I think there's I think there's a benefit to doing it. You know, I, I think we all understand that the, the uh, every league wants its own say in the game, and so the NCAA wants to have its own set of rules. I, I get that as much as I don't like some of the rules, but I get I get it. They, that's their rules there, and their argument to us is that well, they're not preparing kids for the World Cup. That's up to the coaches and the players themselves if they want to go to the World Cup. The NCAA is trying to put together. Conference games that culminate in postseason action, and and hopefully at some point monetize the college soccer games. And and I think we all agree that there's not a ton of that going on right now. Uh, you know, I, I have a, my eldest sons involved with the college soccer. He coaches a women's program at Saddleback College. Yeah. It's our job as coaches to make make your program the very best you can make it. To attract to attract the fans. You know, if you just go there and dial it in, well of course nobody's gonna go out their way to come and see you. But you always get the mother and the father of the college kid to show up. But can you get that can you get the people who are not related to a playing member on the field? Can you get these guys to come and see? This is worth watching. This is exciting, it's entertaining, it's it's attacking, it's winning, it's you know what I'm saying? It's you got to make it better than going to the beach, or they're just going to keep going
0: to the beach. What What makes a good college player, Billy?
1: Right now, I would say the the if you if, and I can only speak to the Big West for the most part. You 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 need a. Um, a, degree, a high degree of athleticism, and that doesn't mean you're, you're, you're big and strong and fast. It, if you, you can be small, but you got to be nippy. You, you, you've got to be able to get up and down the park. You've got to be able to avoid tackles. You've got to be able to ride those tackles as well when when you can't avoid them. Um, so, so athleticism, and it's it's a very much a rush, rush game because the substitution is pretty much unlimited and constant. So you can't just dictate the pace of the game with possession because the other team doesn't really get tired. They just keep sending on more players. So 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 if you can't tire them out. There goes that tactic, you know what I mean? So so understand that. The other thing is just the discipline of, of, of getting good grades that keep you eligible to play. That, that it's a hard, it's a hard shift for the college kids. It's not for everybody. Uh, but I will say i, I remember I, I remember watching an interview with Chris Coleman when he was at Fulham so that's what twenty odd years ago when he had mcbride and those those uh, guys playing from the u s kids and he said he will take a twenty one year old American any day over a twenty one year old u k kid because that twenty one year old American has had the discipline to do a couple of years of college he's articulate when he's in the uh, talking to the cameras and the media, he he's wise with his money because, you know, the young kids over, geez I've never been taught, as m- 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 soon as you get money, young, you get rid of it. You get it in one pocket and out the other. They don't even know where they park their cars, these kids. Um, so so I, I think there's a value to it, Nick. I really, really do. I don't know that four years is for everyone, uh, especially if you want to go on to be uh a professional player and i'm going to take a lot of flack for that i'm sure but um, i think i think a couple of years and if you still have the ambition you need to get out because there is a 17 18 19 year old overseas who's doing it and and if you wait until you finish your college career you're, you're basically 23 maybe it's going to be hard for you to break in you know it's going to be hard for you to break in but but i definitely think there's a place for it um, how, how the coming together of it all is Probably for another generation of coaches, uh, I, I will say this: is it's been uh, it's been an eye-opening experience. I've, I've, I've enjoyed it more than I more than I haven't enjoyed it. Um, you, you get frustrated at, at some of the rules, but. You know, it's OK to, to to not have to coach for 10 months at a time. That's OK at my stage in life. Uh, because because I, I just shift my attention and go, and go see other games. You know, last, last May I was able to go back and watch the Scottish Cup final. I was able to, to be over there for the Europa League final and stuff like that. So I, I can find other, ways, other games to go watch too if I'm not fully involved with my
0: own team. Well, before I let you go, Billy, in the next two weeks... A rather large tournament is taking place on the other side Don't of the world. Don't tell me, yeah, I heard that. World <laughs> Cup, uh, first time it's ever going to be played in the winter. Uh, that's for another podcast. First time yeah. it's ever been played in the Middle East. That's for another podcast. But when we look at these these great teams, these great players, I'm going to put you on the spot: Who's going to win it and why?
1: Look, every four years, all of us, regardless of our um place of birth or or whatever, all of us want to see the best Brazil that that they can muster up because they are entertaining, they're exciting, there's a flair to them, there's a razzmatazz, they are the beautiful game, epitomised. We all know that the Europeans have found a way to nullify that and negate that and the discipline and the organisation, the work ethic that, that, that these countries bring to it. You know, Spain's a, a very attractive team to watch, but but they're also structured in the discipline. Brazil is their own worst enemy. They can flying at you. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I hope deep down that little uh, Messi gets something going out the door. You know, you hate to see someone like him never, never lift a World Cup because to me he's been the... He's been in the business for the last 15 years that I've been watching soccer. So wouldn't it be nice and fitting that he walked away with it there? And saying that, I look at the I look at Belgium and I say, how did they get so many damn good kids that young? What, what, what's in their coffee? <laughs>
0: what are they drinking?
1: This? Because that's not a big country. You know, we, you know Scotland loves to say, well, we've only got 5 million people. Yeah, Belgium's not that much bigger. They just are 11 better soccer players than we have So, so that would be my uh, that' would be my dream It would be either uh, Brazil from South, from uh, South America or, or maybe Belgium.
0: All right, you heard it from Mr. Billy <laughs> Brazil or Belgium get your money out get down to Vegas. <laughs> Billy, fascinating talking to you. Uh, best of luck moving forward with Cal Poly. And uh, I hope to see you on the, on the soccer trails pretty soon. Okay, mate. Lovely talk to you, Nick. All the best. For Billy McNichol, this has been Nick Webster. This is the Bear on the Ball. And always, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Until then, we'll see you next time.